Did you watch the Apple event at all? Either when it happened or since then? I've watched parts of it and I've read all about it. So I know the gist. The most important part. is the purple iPhone. No, that wasn't the most important <laughs> part. But okay, the purple. So are you going to get a purple iPhone? Oh, no, I just upgraded. All right. Yeah. So in case someone's listening to this and they're not sure what we're talking about, Apple introduced a brand new phone, except it's entirely the same. It's an iPhone 12 or an iPhone 12 mini. It's just purple it's the yeah it's the best color ever it's the purplest iphone they've ever made the only purple iphone ever made to my knowledge i don't know i'm not a purple person so the best part of the entire event was the ted lasso preview i thought it was very cool that in the middle of an apple event they actually showed the trailer for the next season which starts july 23rd so if you haven't watched ted lasso yet it's entirely worth watching. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but you can watch all 10 episodes and then by the time you get through it, hopefully you won't have to wait that long before the next season starts. Well, full disclosure, I watched the first season three times because we had two weekend guests and I loved it so much that I wanted to watch it with them just to experience it with them because it is that good. And I am not the type of person who just watches things over and over. Like every once in a while, I'll go back and visit an old favorite movie, but I legit watched that three times if you have not watched it go ahead and prep yourself with season one because you will definitely want to watch season two when apple tv plus was launched apple made a really big deal about some of the shows that were coming in at the time the biggest one was the jennifer aniston and reese witherspoon the morning show right because Mm -hmm. they had all these it's steve carell all these big names attached to it when they introduced the service, they had Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, and Steve Carell, all these people there. This is back when events were actually happening in person, right? They made a big deal about it, that that was going to be the big thing on Apple TV+. And it turns out that this quirky little show about a football coach who goes to England to coach a soccer team that's literally based on a commercial. Ted Lasso is a commercial character is the biggest hit they've had by far. And so it was cool to see Apple basically acknowledge that by including the preview in the Apple event. I found it exciting. I still highly recommend Ted Lasso to anyone who hasn't seen it. My parents binge watched it. Apparently (laughs) they loved it. Yeah. I'm going to have to ask my parents if they've watched it. They don't have Apple TV plus, so I bet they haven't, but they're coming to visit next weekend and they are going to watch it. (laughs) Well, and do they have any Apple devices? No, they're Android people. Oh, that's unfortunate. My brother and I both have been telling them, just switch to an iPhone because as they get older, and I know they listen, and I hate to say this, guys, they aren't as tech savvy as they used to be. And an iPhone, my brother said this too, is the most user-friendly smartphone out there. If you can't handle an iPhone, then you need one of the senior phones. Just a call Jess button, a call 911 button, that's all you need on that phone, right? I can't say I want to be like the sole person that's responsible. I mean, that's why they had two kids, <laughs> okay. right? Okay, call brother, call Jess, call 911. They're not there yet. Okay, thankfully. good. <laughs> my parents are not there yet either, but they did watch it and I think they enjoyed it. So I was like nervous about recommending it to them because there's definitely some salty language so i wouldn't recommend you watch it with your kids unless your kids are older my oldest is 13 i and I could but i'm not yeah. going to i mean there would be no surprises in there for him but i can't see it being comfortable to watch with him so that's a good indicator yeah, yeah i would not have enjoyed it with our kids <laughs> let's just put it that way so a couple of things that i would like to just to talk a little bit about, I don't know how much you paid attention to some of the stuff they announced, but it was pretty interesting. It's a busy time for me because 
basically all I did last week is write articles. Yeah, I've read them, so I'm up to speed. <laughs> You're caught up. Let me just briefly set the stage, because then my question for you is going to be if there's anything in there that piqued your curiosity. But before you answer that, for people who are listening who might not have paid as much attention, I'm just going to walk through what those things were. The first thing they announced, actually, I'm curious about, because you're also a parent, what you think about this, but Apple introduced a credit card, I don't know, a year or two ago. They made a change at this event where now Apple Card will support families. So in the past, if you had an Apple Card and Marcus had an Apple Card, they'd be completely separate accounts, right? You couldn't merge them. And they're making it now so that you can merge them so that you could both be on the same account. But not only that, you can make it so that if your kids have an iPhone, mm-hmm. which you know they do, they can actually use that card with Apple Pay without actually having to have a physical card. And you can be like, my kid can only use a 300, whatever, a small credit line. So my question for you is, as a parent, I'm curious what your thoughts are about giving kids access to a credit or Mm. debit card or that kind of thing. I'm just curious. So I'm big on kids being able to have debit cards that is their own money that they're responsible for. I would not want them to have access to a credit line of money that was mine, even if there were limits set on there, because one, I don't really think they're ready to be introduced to the experience of credit. And too, right. I don't trust them. Probably okay. the second one is more of an issue than the first one, really. If you just don't trust them, it doesn't really matter whether they know anything about credit or not. If you just yeah, don't have you heard of Greenlight? Mm-hmm. I think that's a really cool idea because it teaches kids about like financial literacy, it makes it easy for them to save for things, and kids are so tech savvy now. It's a really cool way, but I also think that it's really lame that it charges five bucks a month just for the service. So I, mm. I nixed that because I think there's a better alternative, not that I've discovered what I want to do. Mm-hmm. It's usually when they want money, it's because they want to buy something on their phone. I just send them through iMessage some Apple money. I'm like, oh, okay, you earned this amount of oh, money, okay. and I'll just message them money, and they use it. As I was thinking about this, I tried to imagine, what would my kids use this for? Granted, my oldest is 12, so they don't have to take public transit where they would need a a metro card or a bus pass or anything like that they don't have to stop and get food during school they don't go out to lunch that kind of stuff so there's i'm trying to imagine like what they would use it for but at the same time like you said introducing them to the idea of you have a fixed amount of money that you can spend on what you want is something that we're trying to do but what ends up happening is they earn payday for Mm -hmm. doing certain things but then when we went on vacation, we bought the things and then took it out of their payday later. And I wonder, does that really have an effect? Because it still doesn't really seem real. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So explain payday to me a little more. So our kids, instead of giving them an allowance, they uh-huh. have a payday. We're not super like consistent about it. We try. Basically, they can earn a certain amount of money for doing certain things. They each have a list of things they're supposed mm-hmm. to do. So at the end of the week, and Beth does a much better job of this than I do she'll go through and say so this is how much of the stuff you accomplished this week so that's five bucks whatever it is okay and then they have to take a certain amount of it Mm -hmm. put it in save they have to put a certain amount of it in give folder then the rest of it can go into a spend and the idea is spend you gotta buy a pack of gum to have on the bus use your spend money no big deal so is that a cash system or are they actually using real folders yep it's all cash okay cash in envelopes yep the spend money 
that's discretionary. It's not a big deal. They give money, we save it up, and they'll use it for yeah. a Christmas box at Christmas time or something like that. Like the shoe boxes that you can send overseas, that kind of thing. Mm. And then save is like, I want to buy a Switch or an Apple Watch. You're saving it towards a thing. Yeah. It works well, except for, again, yeah. if mom and dad always pay for this stuff. That's the part we haven't made the connection. So I was just curious what other people thought about an idea where maybe if it was on a phone and you had your spend money on your phone... You can use it for things. I think in our technological age, it's a really good idea. My kids are still are very averse to cash. When, say, they get a card for their birthday, Christmas, whatever, they automatically hand me the cash. And then what, because they don't want to keep right. track of it. And then what ends up happening is there's something they want to buy on Amazon or Apple. And they tell me, hey, you keep the cash. Will you buy this for me? that's not teaching them how to keep up with the money on their own at all so i'm looking for a solution for this as well even now like when people ask like what they want family asks what they want for christmas i'll say get them amazon cards because they know how to mm. use those and they'll use them on their own rather than giving them cash or a check because then it's just one more thing for me to keep up with <laughs> right one more thing for you to deal with they're getting older and like the idea that my son could drive in three years is terrifying they do need to learn how to manage money my son really wants a gaming monitor for his room, like one of the nice curved ones. So we looked him up on Amazon. You can get an okay one for a little under 200 bucks. And so I started making a list of chores he could do and what the value was for each one. I don't think he's now that interested. I had this dream. Well, you know what I do for my full-time job is I've managed the writing of about CRMs. And I had a dream about telling my kids to organize their chores through a CRM. And like I assigned value to them and like they could put them in stages or I could move them. From. It's not a terrible idea. Actually, you put it in a stage like assigned or in progress. Right. I heard someone who had a similar system to what we try to do here. But what they did is they had the kids bid on the chores so there was like a list of chores oh wow because the point was there is some amount of money that a kid will take for just about any chore right like for some amount of money one of my kids will go out in the backyard and pick up all the dog poop it might be a thousand dollars and if that's the case <laughs> i'm gonna be picking up the dog poop because i'll do it for less than that but the idea is one of the kids might be like i'm not picking up the dog poop unless it's worth 10 bucks but the other kid might be like i'll do that for four dollars Okay, boom, you just earned $4. You know, so there's like this market force that is working. It's kind of like what you talked about, like managing their tour list in a CRM. This is not quite that, but it's a little bit more sophisticated where you have a list of things. And most of them might be like a dollar because if it's an easy thing, they're going to underbid each other. And, and one kid's like, well, five bucks to sweep the floor. The other kid's like, shoot, that's easy money out. Two bucks, thanks. I'll take the floor. My daughter would become rich and my son would have nothing. But if you made them use their money, to do whatever it is they wanted to do suddenly he'd be like oh dude i gotta do something probably yeah he probably would because the reason this doesn't work for me historically it's because my kids want for right. nothing and that's my fault right not theirs i like what my brother does he has three kids they probably don't do it the youngest yet one's 13 and one's nine i think it's every week they get the amount of money of years old they are mm -hmm. so that sounds like a lot at first but, for example, my niece, she has an iPhone now. She has to pay a certain amount of the bill. She wants to go to a friend's birthday party. She has to buy the present. She wants to go swimming with her friend. She has to pay the admission mm -hmm. fee. So that can add up really quickly. And I was starting to think, what if she had, like, four birthday parties and she didn't have no Right. And I'm sure they make exceptions for things like that. But I actually really like that idea because it teaches them how to be responsible for their money. And if there are things they want to do or things they really want to save up for, that's, the onus is on them. Right. And that's the piece that's important is, okay, so 
now you have not only do you have to teach them the value of earning it but the motivation to earn it is if you don't have it you can't spend it i mean there are certain <clears throat> things that i remember i had a friend in high school who had a car but had to pay for the gas they didn't okay. have to pay for the car or even the insurance mom and dad did that but if you want to use it <laughs> you have to get a job and pay for the gas and it's why the person got a job because they couldn't go anywhere sorry mm-hmm. the car will sit in the garage it doesn't matter to me <laughs> Yeah, I had to do that. I mean, I always had a job from the time I was 14 on, but if I didn't have cash. I'd be like, Dad, can I have 20? And he would give it to me. <laughs> so it wasn't super effective, but lo and behold, here I am, 36 years old, and I manage my money pretty all right. right so. Okay, so that was Apple Card. That was, like the first, that was the first thing that they talked about. I literally didn't even write about that because it, at the time, I just lost over it. It was like a minute into the thing. Yeah. I'm pretty credit card averse in general just because I've had credit card debt before. I paid it off and I was like, I don't want to deal with this, which can affect your credit in a negative way. So I make sure I have accounts through other things, but we don't need to talk about credit cards forever. <laughs> no, but you're right. Like we've been through that and in general have shied away. In fact, the only reason that we currently have a card is because it has cash back and no annual fee. Like that combination worked for us. Yeah. And if you pay the bill if, in yeah. full, you're not paying any interest. On a lot of cards, if there's no annual fee and you pay it off consistently, like you are not the people that credit card companies yeah, make they money don't, off right. of. You, they, they don't like you. <laughs> right. You know, because you can get some serious cash back money, miles, right. whatever. It's just you have to be willing to keep right. up with it. And if it was just me, I would just not have one. But my wife is very good about managing that sort of thing. And that's the only reason that we have one. You guys must be different than Marcus and I because we do not do joint accounts really we have one for like vacations and we keep cash app in business by cash apping each other like for groceries whatever we have a spreadsheet and we even up okay every month so we like have different categories and we'll say okay i sold my house and i moved in here and so the mortgage is under him so i will pay half of it i carry the hulu netflix accounts or i pay for all of our chewy pet supplies so we even everything out and have a formula in there so i just plug in the numbers every month and it will spit out how much whoever needs to send to who but then i did tell him i said if you want me to keep paying half of the mortgage (laughs) you need to put me on the deed because i don't want you to be my landlord (laughs) right you don't want to be paying rent to live in yeah well we're hopefully going to buy a house together soon once the housing market stabilizes in some fashion but that's another conversation so then the next thing that they talked about was at least in terms of products that they introduced was air tags and i think there's actually two accessories coming like a keychain and then something you can use to attach it to your bag and i think that the air tags are pretty interesting i don't know what i will use them for necessarily because we don't usually lose our keys or things i don't know I, do you lose a lot of stuff what is the other tile a tile i did have my purse years ago had my purse stolen at a concert and i had a tile in my keys a tile supposedly has its own kind of crowdsourcing feature and did not work in retrieving my purse and or keys i just had them on my keys really but now that all of our cars have the automatic start so i just keep my keys in my purse i don't lose my purse except for the time it was stolen i don't really have that issue they need to make something that you can like stick onto your glasses because my mom is terrible about losing her glasses or like forgetting her glasses 
I think there's going to be a lot of accessories that people will make to use with air tags. I also am going to go back and say something about the tile in a second, but uh, I think it's Belkin actually does have a strap. It's kind of like the kind of sport strap you'd put on like a pair of sunglasses, you know, the kind that goes behind. Mm-hmm. And so it comes behind your neck. Sometimes like they have a bead that you can move to tighten them that holds mm-hmm. an air tag. So you could put that kind gotcha. of thing on there, but that's not the kind of thing that you would wear all the time. Would you really want to be wearing it? It would be okay if you were like out. <laughs> At the beach, like doing sure. sunglasses or then again, if you're at the beach. But going back to the tile thing, when you're close to an air tag, like within 30 to 40 feet of your own, it has this thing called precision finding and your phone will literally point in the direction of the air tag and be like, it's over there 20 feet down below the couch, right? So it uses what's called the U1 chip to do that. When you're not close to it, the beautiful thing about them is that the network that they can connect to, to be found, is every iPhone. <laughs> Right. So there's like a billion yeah. iPhones and everything from like the iPhone. I can't remember if it's like the eight and beyond, but Apple says there's a billion of them that are connected to the find my network. And all they have to do is be close enough to have a Bluetooth signal. If you walk past my lost bag and it had an air tag in it, you'd never even know necessarily, but that air tag would ping your phone, which would ping iCloud, which would then let me know that it was roughly in this direction because it would, take the location of your phone but here's the thing i would never know that it was just this phone so it's not violating mm-hmm. your privacy either whereas tile only works with other people who have tile the app installed right. on your phone right so if you were at a concert and you're the only person with tile it does you no good because once you've left well, yeah which may have been the right. case i even went around like with my app open near where the concert was and was like trying to ping where it was because none of my cards were being used or anything it's like someone probably just rummaged through it and threw it somewhere yeah. so i was trying to find where it was and i couldn't ping and the it. thing about air tags i'll say this six ish years ago we were at a concert and my wife lost her phone it was in grand rapids so it was an hour away I think we were home when we realized she didn't have her phone. And I opened my phone and opened the Find My app because she was in my iCloud account as well. And I could see where it was. So I called the venue and I was able to, by looking at my phone, you could see that it was underneath the bleachers where we were sitting because that phone was connected to the cell tower or whatever, right? So it really does work. And that was like six, seven years ago. So it's gotten better since then. So yeah, strollers at Disneyland I- is a big thing, right? <laughs> But what happens is when you get in line, you park your stroller at the parking thing, but they are constantly consolidating that. People are getting off and leaving. So where you left your stroller is not where it's going to be when you get off the ride. Mm. And so having something on your stroller to track it would be really useful. Yeah. So Going to Disney is not something that's on my bucket list (laughs) because I I don't like crowds. And uh, I can't handle them for very long. Like a concert, I'll max out almost on the dot two hours. Like that's absolutely as much as I can take. So thankfully, my kid's dad took them to Disney and that's done. Uh, It's on our list, hopefully in the next 18 months. Because we want to do it before our kids are too old to really care. Although Mm -hmm. I I enjoy Disney, so you're never too old to care. So are AirTags something that was interesting enough that they're going to find their way to justice. But I think they could be helpful for my kids because they lose stuff all the time or they just don't remember to bring it. Okay. So, you know, when they're going back and forth between two houses, it's also yeah. they forgot stuff. That's not going to make it magically appear here if they forget their laptop or whatever it is, but at least we'll know where it is. The biggest thing I ever really lose is cheap sunglasses. That's why I don't buy expensive right. ones. I could see gifting them. 
Definitely. Okay. Because I do think they're cool. I don't know if I personally find it useful. Okay. You could put it on a pet collar. Well, Apple's pretty specific that you shouldn't do that. And here's the only reason why. I don't think they want to be liable if you put one on your pet and then you can't find your pet. They don't want to be like, wait a minute, you told me I could find things and now I can't find mm. my pet. You can just know that as a disclaimer. It's not a guarantee you're going to find your pet, <laughs> but it could save your pet's life. That, possibly that's true. The only other thing about putting it on a pet is depending on how you attached it, like if the pet were to get it off of their collar and then chew it up, there is a battery in there. So I, I don't know. Mm. But they that's one of the things I like about what they did with the AirTag is unlike almost everything else Apple's ever made, there's a user replaceable battery. Oh. It's like a watch battery basically in there and they last a year. So after a year, you just put a new battery in it. Whereas some of the early tiles, once the battery inside it died, you just threw it away and had to get a new tile. Yeah. But in a year, will this be obsolete because there's a new version anyway? How much do they well, cost? What's well, the 30 bucks a piece or you can get a four pack for a hundred bucks. Okay. That's very yeah. reasonable. It's the cheapest thing you can buy from Apple, literally. Yeah, I'm surprised at the price It's even cheaper than an iPhone case, basically. (laughs) So I personally think that they are something that, unless you lose your keys a lot, unless that's you, I think they're the type of thing that unless you buy them and use them, you won't be able to conceive of a use for them in your life, but then you'll be like, I'm so glad I have these things. But the thing is, if you can't conceive of a use for them, you're not going to buy them to discover that you actually would have a use for them. So I think it's, it's interesting. Yeah. We'll see. I'd put one on my kids' backpacks. Apple went through quite an effort to make sure that you could not use these to track someone who doesn't want to be tracked by you. Yes, I read your <laughs> article, and that's pretty smart, yeah. the way that they went about that. Yeah, so I'll uh, report back. I could be sold, but my next Apple purchase, I and mean, this could be a segue to talk about one of the things on the list, but now that I have the Peloton, I want AirPods. So I rode this morning with Marcus's AirPods because, well, one, I put the Peloton, as you can see, right behind me in the office where we both work, (laughs) and it gets pretty loud. This morning, I borrowed his AirPods. I got off. He goes, okay, don't use those anymore. He's like, it's super weird just hearing you breathe hard. (laughs) Uh, and I don't know what it sounded. And I think I was like cursing a little bit at one point when it got like really, like on a really hard climb. But I, it sounded a lot better with AirPods. Yeah. The thing about AirPods is they are the most convenient, especially if you're in the Apple ecosystem, earbuds that you can get. They're not the cheapest. They haven't really changed in price. And the rumor is that they will be introducing a new version of them sometime this year. So it might be worth waiting just a little bit. Yeah, I would also like to use them for the things like the podcast because I was late signing on because my stupid cord was wrapped around my podcast uh, mic and I couldn't. Yeah. yeah, Jess is still using the good old wired earbuds. They're super reliable. That's true. <laughs> I have several pairs of them. My daughters have most of <laughs> because they have to use them for school but yeah so apple also introduced a new apple tv it's really not worth spending much time on except it has a better remote do you guys have an yeah, apple tv we are roku slash okay. amazon tv people so we have a roku smart tv that has the built-in roku in it and in all the bedrooms we have fire tv so does the tv that has roku the app built in have the roku remote Mm-hmm. Okay, and does it have the big buttons for like Netflix on it, that kind of thing? Yes. The only problem I have with the remote that I don't like about Roku is the volume is on the side. It's just not super intuitive. And does it have the headphone jack so you can like listen with headphones? 
I've never wanted to do that. I don't know. Now I want to go look. Well, some of the Roku remotes for the actual little boxes that you plug into your TV have a headphone jack. So, like, if you were watching a movie late at night on your big TV, you're not going to, like, plug your headphones into your TV and sit right there. So you can plug them in. But I I did that as a kid. (laughs) That was in the 90s. Granted, I'm an 80s child in the 90s when I was allowed to watch TV by that time. But I think that the Roku TV is Bluetooth. Because if I'm looking at houses on Zillow, I'll just throw it up, cast it up to the screen. Okay. You might be able to attach Bluetooth headphones. Bluetooth That's headphones. true. But I was just curious because I don't have a Roku. I've never had a Roku, but lots of people have Rokus. And one of the things they talk about really liking is the remote, even though they're ugly, but they're very useful. And the yeah. Apple TV remote for a long time was the opposite, right? It was really nice looking, but it was functionally impossible to use because it was half a touch surface. And there was no way to tell like when you pick it up what surface you were touching, whether it was the touch surface or not. And what would always happen is you'd be like watching a movie and you go to adjust the volume and all of a sudden you've switched to something else. (laughs) I've had one before and the only big draw it had for me then was with AirPlay. But now everything has a casting feature on it. And a lot of TVs come with the Apple TV app and include AirPlay. Mm -hmm. So for most people, the new Apple TV box is probably not worth whatever it is, 180 bucks or something. But if you do have one of the previous models, the new remote, is significantly improved. Gosh, that's how much they cost? Is like 180, 180 bucks. bucks. Yeah. My poor daughter had a generation two, I think, Roku TV, like in her bedroom, and it had gotten super laggy just because it was old. And we upgraded her for like 40, 50 bucks to a new Roku one. Like it's lightning fast. Yeah. And Roku is by far the most popular set top box little thing you can buy to plug in and watch Netflix. And that's like the reason that they existed at one point. Obviously, there's more than just Netflix now, but that was like what people wanted to be able to do because before you had a smart TV, if you wanted to watch Netflix, right, you had to plug your laptop in or what. So Roku got smart and they're like, people want to do this on their real TV. We'll make a little box. Mm-hmm. You can get them for like 30 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever. Apple's thing is the Apple TV is like by far the most capable streaming box, but it's way more capable than anyone can possibly need just to watch Netflix, <laughs> right? If all you want to do is binge watch stranger things or whatever the apple tv the box the little thing you can plug into your television is it's way too expensive for that but it also plays apple arcade video games right that's why they put the power in there the problem is the apple tv box is nowhere near as powerful as a playstation or an xbox so it's too good for streaming right and too expensive but it's not good enough really to justify buying it to play game. Now, are, we have one. We don't have one of the new ones, obviously. We have one of the, the previous generation ones upstairs, and we'll play Frogger. Like, there are games that are fun to play, mm-hmm. but our kids would much rather play Minecraft on an iPad or play Pokemon on a Nintendo Switch. Mm-hmm. It breaks the rule of a flagship successful product is to do one thing really well. Right. <laughs> I mean, it does one thing really well. It does streaming television really well. The problem is every TV comes so do a lot of other things for a lot better price point. Yeah, any TV you buy in the last couple of years already has all of those apps on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's how Reese's TV is. His is just a smart TV without being associated with Roku, Amazon, whatever. Savannah's has a box. Why do we have four TVs? It's embarrassing. (laughs) See, and when Beth and I got married, neither of us had a TV. So we just bought a little one. We've been married for 13 years and we still have the TV that we 
bought when we got married. I remember when I got my first apartment in 2005 and my parents gifted me a 19 inch quote unquote flat screen, but it was still like the big box type of TV. And that TV probably cost as much as my 60 inch Roku smart flat screen TV. And that's what's crazy is we have three televisions in our house. One is like 37 inches, one is 50 or 55 inches, and one 65 inches. And I'm pretty sure we paid the same thing for all of them. <laughs> just like TVs are so cheap. Four now. year, four or five years apart. Like it's just they just keep getting cheaper and cheaper. And for the same price, you can get something much much bigger. So, so the two exciting things I thought that they introduced were the iMac and then the iPad Pro. So before we go into it, my question mm-hmm. is: I know you just got an, a MacBook Air, but is it weird to you that you could get the exact same computer as that MacBook Air in an iMac or now literally the same computer inside of an ipad pro it's not weird because uh, nothing surprises me really that apple does anymore because they keep doing innovative things i'm intrigued by the imac i'm not really an ipad user i know you are Mm -hmm. but that's just not my jam (laughs) in particular since i don't bring my laptop with me everywhere i go like i used to I bring it to my room sometimes <laughs> right. if I want to like work in there. But since I haven't been traveling much and things like that, my, that iMac looks pretty cool. Right. But do I really need a laptop? But I know I'm only thinking that way because I haven't been traveling. Right. So then, you know, like I love this picture that's on your ink article, like that shows like the progression right. of the iMac from this a giant half egg shaped thing looking to this super thin screen that you could almost bring with you if you took the back <laughs> off of it well, and it's only 10 pounds so like you absolutely could if you needed to move around on a regular basis get a laptop and the nice thing about it exactly. is you can get literally the exact same computer in a 999 laptop so why the heck wouldn't you just buy the laptop if that's the case but mm-hmm. on the other hand if you were like when i was a photographer we'd go and do like a bridal show where we'd try to meet people who are getting married having something like this that you could set up to show off your photos but is only 10 pounds yeah. that you can just easily move around would actually be incredible it would look so much better than trying to show them on a laptop screen but then of course i guess you just have an external display hooked up but it would be a lot heavier and a lot more cumbersome yeah i used to haul that 37 inch television and hook my laptop up to it and show a slideshow of images or whatever to try to catch people's attention but holy cow one of these imax would be so much better and you could even get it in whatever color of your brand or your your business or whatever so we won't be getting one like we have a 21 inch imac that almost never gets used in this house this is replacing the smaller imac we expect that something else will come to replace the larger iMac. I'm definitely interested yeah. in whatever the larger, more powerful one is, but I think that they're going to sell a, a ton of these. And for someone who asks, like, I need a new computer for our family, the only question now is, do you want a laptop or do you want a desktop? And if you want a desktop, get, just get this iMac. It's going to meet all of your needs. So, But the more interesting one to me is the iPad Pro. You can get the exact same computer that you have in your MacBook Air or that I have in this MacBook Air in an iPad now, which is mind-blowing if you think about it. It is. I know you can hook it up to a display, but it's just, it's never been that appealing to me. And it's probably just because the only iPad I've ever had is an iPad mini, which is basically half the size of an iPhone Plus. Yeah, it's like the... <laughs> and I used it, it as like a babysitter for my kids when they were a lot smaller. Yeah, it's like the size of a Kindle, basically. It's a great yeah. Kindle. Mm-hmm. If you all you want to do is watch Netflix or read books, the iPad mini is yeah. phenomenal. So I will be reviewing the iPad Pro at whatever point 
that becomes possible. That sounded weird, but there are not units available yet to review. Let me just put it that way. I still have a 2018 11-inch iPad Pro, which is great. I love it. It's a great iPad. It's great because you can hold it in your hands. The screen is big enough to do stuff on, but I'm going to review the 12.9-inch because obviously it's almost the same size screen as my laptop. So what's interesting about that is you can mm -hmm. fit the same amount of stuff on the screen as you can on a laptop, but yet you could still pull it off, sit down, watch a movie. An iPad is a lot better device if what you want to do is sit down and read or sit down and watch something as opposed to your laptop. It just feels more personal than sitting there with mm -hmm. your laptop on your lap or whatever. I've reviewed the previous 12.9, the current one. <laughs> it's an amazing device. If you want a professional iPad, go get that one. What I didn't love about it is I like the 11 inch size better. My laptop's only 13, so it is a very comparable size, yep. but I have no problem, especially with how light my laptop is now carrying that around right. to the couch or wherever. And I like having a keyboard right with me too, rather than typing like this. And I'm sure you can get the keyboard, but that's awkward if you're going to be on the couch anyway, if you have to set out your... The bigger issue with the keyboard is that the Magic Keyboard is like 300 bucks. So like you can get the new iPad Pro 12.9 inch with the exact same specs as Mac, you can get like 16 gigs of RAM, a terabyte of storage, but to get the Magic Keyboard, which is what you would need to make it like a laptop replacement, you're gonna spend mm -hmm. $1,000 more basically. True. So. Speaking of those price points, what do you think of those Microsoft Surface commercials? Have you seen those with the kid? Yeah, Microsoft's trying and that's great. My take was that's fine, but it's really ignoring the actual reality of what people buy those computers for it's funny like the kid basically picks it up and he's like, look i can take this keyboard off but i can't i can touch the screen i can't do that on this one or all this is like this one has a touch screen mm -hmm. that one has a bar like a touch bar and the point that i was making was even though everything that the kid said was true it doesn't mean that you're actually telling the whole story because no one goes in and compares the microsoft surface pro 7 to a macbook pro if they're interested in the Microsoft Surface Pro 7, they're probably interested in the iPad. Apple makes a device that competes with that. Why wouldn't you compare those two things? So there was one more thing on our topic list. I sent you a link to an article from The Verge about Basecamp. They stirred up quite a mess for themselves because the short version of it is Basecamp. They make Basecamp, the software. They also make Hey, which is an email service. And they're a pretty small company. I think they have about 50 to 60 employees. Yeah. They're based in... I'm a fan of Basecamp. I used to use yeah, it. Yeah. And they're uh -huh. based in Chicago, but their people are all over. They're a fully remote company. They've written books about being remote, all this kind of stuff. And they published a post that they were no longer going to allow political or non-work conversations to take place on the company's Basecamp account. To translate this for other people, imagine at your company where you work, the CEO said, we're not going to have any of these conversations on Slack. You can talk about it on social media. You can stand there and have a conversation next to each other in the hallway if it's appropriate, but we're not going to have any of these conversations anymore on Slack. So my question, because you work for what is mostly, if not entirely, a remote company. It's still entirely remote unless you sign a waiver saying that you will not hold the company responsible for going to gotcha. the Gotcha. So my thought was Basecamp basically took a bunch of blowback because the idea was if you're telling people for whom these issues are very important that they can no longer have these conversations on work, you're essentially saying we don't care about whatever it is that is important to you. Mm -hmm having worked for the company that you work for, I never really saw those kind of conversations happening 
publicly, <laughs> but I can imagine it would be a difficult thing for people to swallow if all of a sudden the mm -hmm. CEO came along and said, nope, can't have those conversations. Yeah. About the leadership where I work, that would never happen here. We've had conversations about it led by our CEO and uh, we formed a DEI work group and we have a DEI Slack group and we had a, um, it's not as active as it was unfortunately a Black Lives Matter channel on Slack. So, I mean, those things I think are taken really to heart and we don't try to silence them at all. I'm on our culture committee. There's a lot of things we've done recently. We organized Black Lives Matter just for a more of an educational event, but also to bring some fun to it. We had a, like a trivia event about you know, historical black figures and it was really cool. Not that it solves any kinds of problems, but it's, it was more like an education awareness event, but we're very open about those types of things and it is intentionally included rather than right. just shutting it down. I think this is a bad move for Basecamp. I think they're trying to like stay out of hot button issues and not try to offend anyone, but the intention may be good. Here's my thought. I don't work anywhere. <laughs> I don't have a boss. You work for you. I don't have a boss, but I've worked for plenty of bosses and I've worked for the one that you work for. So it's valid to want to create a workplace where people can come and not feel like they have to take sides. Okay. I think that's mm -hmm. valid. And if you think about it, if you were working at a grocery store, right, that's a job. If you work in a restaurant, it's a job. If you work on a factory and on an assembly line and you just do your little thing and then you go home, like you don't take work home with you. It's just a job. You go to the thing, you do it, you get paid. It's a job. Mm -hmm. I'm not undermining that. I'm saying like your frame of work is this isn't my life. This is my job. I do this thing so that I can have a life. Mm -hmm. Those lines blur for a lot of people. If your mm -hmm. social circle is your work social circle, it's mm -hmm. no longer just a job. For a lot of people, especially younger people, their primary social circle are the people that they work with. Okay. So telling them you have to then separate your personal life from your work life is very difficult. It is not unreasonable for people to think I should just be able to come to work and not have to take sides. The problem with that perspective is mm -hmm. some people don't have the luxury of benefiting from, I can just go to work and do my job. Especially if you're a part of a group who have historically been oppressed, you don't feel like you can just go to work and not have those issues be in front of you because it's been your whole life is facing those issues. Mm -hmm. So when somebody says to you, don't bring those issues to work, the person's like, I can't come to work because I didn't pick these issues. I didn't pick my skin color. I didn't pick my gender. I didn't pick the neighborhood I grew up in. So when you tell me I can't bring those things to work, what you're really saying is you don't want me to come to work, right? So I feel like there has mm -hmm. to be some way to sort of balance those two things. And I don't think that Basecamp did a good job of it. And then really the reason I think it's an issue is it affects people who use Basecamp and who use Hey, because now they have to take a side. I was listening to a podcast where someone raved about Hey, the email service was basically saying, I can't use a hey email address anymore because my customers will think that means that I'm okay with whatever mm -hmm. happened. And so the thing I feel like Basecamp missed is this isn't just about you and your co-founder. It's not just about your employees or these conversations. It's about the entire ecosystem of people who depend on this business who now mm -hmm. in an effort to say, when you come to work, we want people to not have to take sides. You're essentially forcing everyone to take a side. It's the opposite of unifying your company. It's like, and why do they need to choose sides in a really dark moment for our nation? It should be an opportunity to unify and educate right. as part of their work culture. And they're completely missing that opportunity and also looking terrible doing it. There's really an extraordinary irony 
that if your goal was to create a place where people don't feel like they have to pick sides, you did it in a way that forces the issue. Mm -hmm. You're now making everyone take a side. There's just a little bit of irony and it's just kind of unfortunate. I liked your perspective. Like you work at a place where that just would, it would just never happen, right? Because Mm -hmm. it's an inclusive place to work and they encourage those kind of conversations. I think it shows that you can do it in a way where if somebody in the executive team came in and said, Hey guys, I think it would be better if we take this particular conversation offline because it seems to be getting a little bit heated. People aren't actually communicating. They're just yelling at each other. It would be received differently because they know when someone comes in, they're not shutting down the space. They're trying to actually help the conversation move forward. Yeah. When you just shut it down, you create all kinds of barriers where people feel like not only they have to pick a side, they feel silenced. And that's exactly the opposite of what we should be trying to do. So creating some kind of safe space or moderated conversation, because it is an incredibly sensitive issue and things can get out of control, but that doesn't mean that we just shouldn't talk about it. I would think there'd be a better solution. But I mean, Basecamp is historically, along with tons of other tech companies very white and very male right and so i could see why there is a response like that it's not shocking it's unfortunate and it's sad but it's also part of our reality and i think leaders of organizations like these it's part of their job for company culture to take that on i totally agree and i don't feel like the alternative is you have to say that my workplace has to be an activist workplace i don't think that's the solution either but i think the point is Saying we just aren't going to do this because we don't want people to come to work and feel like that to take sides is now asking all of those people to take a side because they either have to agree with what you've done or they have to justify why they disagree with it. But one thing we do definitely have to talk about, you talked about like it's important to talk about things, is you got a new toy. Yeah, let's end on something a little lighter. Tell me about your new toy and how much you like it. I've wanted one for a long time. They're not cheap. It is a Peloton. It's right behind me and the cats like to watch me, so it's cool. So I did a lot of research on it. I could basically write a buyer's guide about all the different types of bikes out there now. So I was looking at some different ones, like Nordic Track, for example. You have to set it up yourself, and if you want to return it, there's a 10% restocking fee. With Peloton, ride for 30 days and get your first month refunded for the subscription, and they'll just come pick it up if you decide you don't like it for some reason. It's got some really cool tech features. I opted not to get the Bike Plus. The Bike Plus, there are some hacks you can do to integrate it with your Apple Watch. Or you can like just hold up your watch and it will sync your heart rate or do some other things. And the screen will rotate for different types of workouts, which that was not important to me since I have the same Peloton app that I can use on my TV in a different room for other workouts if I want to. It costs a little bit more and the wait time was much much longer for the bike plus so i opted not to use that it already syncs with my watch in the way as um, i don't have to log the workout for on my activity it will just show up as peloton workout since i let it sync with apple health okay you could actually do a workout with a friend on there you can call them through it now i don't really care to talk to a friend on the phone basically is what the feature looks like while you're working out but it's really great i think like the workouts go by really fast the instructors are phenomenal that was the number one thing i heard when i was comparing different bikes it's just the instructors are top notch <laughs> what would you guess a high performing peloton instructor makes yearly i have no idea a hundred thousand dollars a year. I used to be a spin instructor at a gym. It was just like for fun and working out for free. I made 10 bucks plus 50 cents a person a class. These are like pro instructors. They're crazy good. And they're also huge social influencers. So 
there's that aspect to it. But it's a completely different experience than going to a gym and just having some regular person teach your class. These are like pro athletes. I'm like, you look at them and they're just like, do you do anything but work out? Because they're that in shape. So how long have you had it for? I got it on Tuesday. Okay. So like four days. And how many times have mm-hmm. you used it? I've rode every day since I've every had day. it. Okay. So. And is it something mm-hmm. you think you'll use every day? If I'm doing something else, probably not. If I'm doing some other type of workout, but I'm telling you like an hour on that it feels a lot different than an hour doing something else. It goes by way faster. My heart rate's maxing out at 180, 190. So it's, I'm not messing around <laughs> basically I'm getting it's a like good borderline dangerous <laughs> go hard or go home yeah all right i'm probably the type of person who would really benefit from things like yoga and pilates but if i'm not sweating i feel like i'm wasting my time which is completely the wrong mindset and i used to be a long distance runner so high cardiovascular workouts are something i naturally gravitate towards i'll be interested in what you think about it in three months or in six months we'll have to talk about it again because so we have a uh, treadmill and we actually bought it a long time ago and we bought it off of someone who was like moving and wasn't going to have space for it. So we bought it used. I think it might be a Nordic track. It's probably been used two dozen times in 10 years. <laughs> we'll walk on it for a period of time and then we'll like get busy and we don't get back to mm-hmm. it. But the thing is, it's not in any way interactive and it's just like in the back room of our yeah. basement. And so it's demoralizing to go do that. Right. <laughs> When I have to walk by it a million times per day, it's kind of nice. And I do think the interactive element adds something for you, though, because there are live classes and you can see other people. You can high five them on the screen. And the way that they talk is super motivating, too. It's no different than going to a spin studio, but I can do this right in my home. I've never been to a spin studio, so I'll take your word for it. But (laughs) that's a good way to wrap it up. I will be interested in hearing what your three-month review of it is. We've yeah, talked about sure. potentially getting one for a lot of reasons. It's less impact than running and that kind of stuff. And so mm-hmm. any final thoughts on that? Um, not really. Yeah, let's see if I stick with it because that's really the trademark of a good product is if it actually hooks you. So yeah. I'm trying really hard to like get into a great habit because human psychology works that way. If right. you stick with something for 14 days or so, you'll create a habit. But I look forward to it. Good. So far, so good. All right. Something else people can look forward to is another conversation in two weeks. We will talk to you then. Thanks.